Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Hey, take your Bible with me, whether it's in book form or digital form, and one more time, hold it high in the air, and we believe in confessing the Word of God. So I want you to say this after me. This is my Bible, God's Holy Word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's Word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, every hindrance, through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart, I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word. And I confess this word in the name of Jesus, amen. Now take that same Bible and turn with me to the gospel of Mark, Mark's gospel chapter chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 17, Lord willing, we're going to read down to verse 32, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation. I'm going to give my thoughts this title today. What will you give? And as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, Teacher, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love. For him, there is still one thing that you have not done. Go, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. 
But with God, everything is possible. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. Yes, the Lord replied. And I assure you that that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, along with persecution. In the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Verse 32, they were now on the way up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, as we began this journey, this road to Jerusalem. God, to the ultimate sacrifice of the Son of God for the sins of the world. I pray that you would search our hearts, God. I pray that we'll be drawn closer to you. I pray the things that we need to let go of, we will do. I pray, God, the things that we need to sacrifice and follow you. I pray that we would sacrifice it, Lord. Take up our cross and follow you. We thank you and we love you. And God's people said, amen. Life is made up of decisions. Every decision we make in life shapes our future. Most of us understand our decisions have the potential to create lasting impact on our lives. Our choices are powerful and can define who we become. Therefore, it is important to take each decision seriously and be intentional about the path that we choose. Why? Because our choices are powerful and can define who we become. Every day we make decisions that will affect our course of action in life. Those decisions often determine whether or not we're going to experience trouble or blessing. And the tragedy of the story before us is we will never know what could have been. We know from Scripture because the Bible is filled with example after example that a person who yields to the Lordship of Christ, they go on to do exploits for the kingdom. And in this man's life, we will never know what type of world changer he could have been. What missionary this man could have been, possibly another Paul the Apostle, but we will never know. Possibly he could have went on to be an entrepreneur who could have helped finance the planting of churches or or missionary journeys. And the challenge is we will never know because of the decision he made with the faithful encounter with Jesus. You and I are often encountered with decisions that we make in the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What God is looking for is our availability. This Lent season, 
What are you willing to give up in order to see a greater demonstration of the power of God in your life? Think about this. What decisions can, can we make that will position us to see the Lord in richer and better ways? Let's look at the story before us. First of all, we see the rich man. Verse 17, as Jesus was starting out on uh, his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want you to write this, write, write the phrase, the road. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, it's sandwiched in between the next statement found in verse 32. They were now on the way to Jerusalem. Now, I bring this out to give a, a timeline of these events happening just weeks and days before the passion of Christ. We see Jesus steadily making his way to Jerusalem to accomplish God's mission for his life. And this decision for steadily making his way to Jerusalem to face the horrors of crucifixion would open up for you and I God's generosity, God's grace, and his kindness to be poured out upon humanity. Look at verse 33 and verse 34 says, listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and teachers of religious law. They'll be sentenced and sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Knowing what would befall him in Jerusalem, Jesus still made a decision to go. There appears to be a subtle comparison, a subtle comparison with the rich man who could not bring himself to make a decision to follow Jesus. The decision of one man, Jesus, led to the goodness and generosity of God being poured out on others. And the decision of another man left him in the annals of obscurity and nothingness. As if it's a wasteland, a vanity of all vanities. Jesus is willing to go to Jerusalem to lay his life down. This rich man that we never hear from again isn't willing to let go of anything. And he demonstrates life to be vanity of all vanities. Let's look at the man for a moment. As Jesus was starting on the way to Jerusalem, the man came running up to him and knelt down. Now, as Mark gives a description, one is immediately impressed with this man's enthusiasm. He ran up to Jesus. He, he fell on his knees before him. He was eager, yet and even respectful and reverent. But there's a question. Write that word question. He says, what must I do, good teacher, to inherit eternal life? What must I do? He's looking for purpose. He's looking for meaning. 
on the outside, on the circumstances, as, as Mark gives a description, he seems to have everything, but he really has nothing. According to the world's standards, he th- seemed to have everything just right. But inwardly, he's lost. Inwardly, he's searching. Inwardly, there's a gnawing within his spirit. I need more. Jesus responded to him in verse 18, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Jesus began his response to the young man by challenging him to to think about the language he had just used to describe Jesus. Only God is intrinsically good. You're calling me good. Am I God? Jesus is revealing himself. Jesus is admitting his deity. But the man does not realize what he is saying. In essence, Jesus is saying, I am God. I am one who is is worthy of everything you have. But the man failed to realize. I want you to know, Jesus is worthy of everything you have. Jesus is worthy of everything you are, everything you hope, hope to be. Was he just trying to flatter Jesus? Did he mean that Jesus was good in spite of some faults, as many people are? Or did he mean that Jesus was divine, good as God alone is good? See, it can be very easy to use religious language without any depth of understanding. It's easy to talk the talk, but what about the walk? It's easy to have the right lingo, but Jesus is more interested in the right heart. It's easy to come to church week after week and even be in around the presence of God, but your heart never be transformed. Your heart never be changed. And this is the moral of the story. You can even keep the letter of the law, but your heart still be far away from God. God is looking for your heart. What are you willing to give to him? What are you willing to sacrifice for him? This Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to give his life for you and our reasonable sacrifice is to become a a willing, living sacrifice unto the Lord. It's a pondering question. It's a very insightful question. It's a question that we should look at and ponder, think about. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This man believes in life after death, but also that it cannot be taken for granted He must do something in order to be entitled to it. And church, hear me. You must do something in order to be entitled to eternal life. There is life after death. There is eternal life. But you must receive Jesus as your Lord. You must receive Jesus as your Savior. You must receive him as your King. You must be willing to lay your life down so that he will live within you. Which brings us to our second thought, our second idea, a love that sees the heart. A love that sees the heart. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
I need you to see that looking at him intently, looking at him, Jesus had compassion. Jesus felt love for him. Jesus is looking past the outward and he sees uh, the inner man. He sees the real uh, man. He felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you have not done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Looking intently at him, Jesus had compassion. Jesus had a love for him. Aren't you thankful how Jesus always sees the heart of the matter? This is real love. That is real love. We often talk about what I call biblical love. Mark, Mark, Mark writes, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Now, this is unique to Mark. Jesus' love, however, did not lower the standards of the kingdom. Jesus held the standard of the kingdom. And here's the paradox of unconditional love requiring an appropriate faith response. See, unconditional love is not acceptance of anything and everything. Unconditional love, biblical agape love, is calling you to a higher standard, calling you to to, to your purpose, calling you to your destiny, calling you to that image of God, to live according to his purpose and his plan. One thing is missing. Jesus does not dismiss this man's religious activity, but he identifies that he is missing something. Jesus doesn't even address the religious activity, but he says, you're missing something. See, Jesus loves everyone, so Mark's notation that Jesus looked at him and loved him must indicate a special compassion for this man. Possibly Christ saw something powerful in him. Possibly Christ saw some potential in him. He saw the young man's heart and knew that a barrier existed between him and God and therefore the eternal life that he sought. Jesus went to the heart of the matter. Jesus bypassed his religious activity and he went to where his heart was because it is the heart that flows the issues of life. See, you can keep the formality of the law. You can keep the strict letter of the law, but your heart still be far away from God. See, this born again experience is about the heart being transformed, the heart being changed. It's about the old taken away and the new being planted and birthed within you and you following on to know the Lord. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to let go of? See, this love that Jesus has for us has a call to it. It has a call to it. Real love does not compromise. Real love calls a person higher. Write this, calls a person out. Listen, when the Holy Spirit calls you out, don't get mad. Don't get angry. Be thankful. 
Be thankful because God loves you. Be thankful because God does not want you to die in your sin and go into eternity without him. What a shame it would be to sit in the church of America, sit in the pews of America week after week after week, and to go out into eternity in utter darkness. Let me tell you what real love does. It calls you higher. It calls you out. God's love calls you deeper. It calls you deeper. Verse 21. Let me read this out of the Old English. Let me read this out of the King James. Jesus said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. Come, take up your cross and follow me. At this point, we're expecting this man to give it all. At this point, we're expecting this man to make a decision to, to really go 110% after the Lord. We're waiting with bated breath. We're waiting for this man because we want to read of him in the New Testament of the great things he would go on to do. We're waiting at this moment for him to make the decision to take up his cross and follow Jesus. Again, Mark seems to be sandwiching this in between the parenthesis statement. Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem to take a cross that he will not deny, but that he will take hold of. It seems to be a, a parallel here. It seems to be a contrast taking place here. One who has the appearance of everything being right. And one who was really willing to go all the way. See, it's not about your appearance so much as it is about your heart. Being willing to go all the way in the kingdom of God. Which brings us to our third point, the man's face fell. Verse 22 the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had many possessions. At first, there's a perfect picture. If you were to run into this man on the streets, you would have thought everything was perfect. He had the, the picture-perfect life. Even in Jewish culture, he, he was seen as being blessed by God. He was wealthy. One theologian writes this, wealth after all was often understood as an indicator of covenant blessing, not as an obstacle to covenant fulfillment. That's probably why the disciples were so astonished. What do you mean? What do you mean? This man can't be saved. What about us? We've given up everything. No doubt it was the reason for, for them being offended and astounded at what Jesus had said. This man was morally upright. This man was religious. 
To the outsider, his life seemed to be perfect, the, 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 the picture perfect. He had what the world considered everything, but he was living in lack. How many people look like they've got everything, but they're living in lack? How many people have the the picture-perfect life on the outside, but inwardly there is a nagging, inwardly there is is an emptiness, inwardly there is is pain and and a, a void? There was a nagging emptiness in his life. This is the true, so true for many today. They have the picture-perfect life, but inside they're empty. There is a nagging. This man had stuff. This man had money. This man had activity. I mean, you're talking about a list. He had a list. Look, God, look what I've done. Look, Lord, look how my life shines for you. See, the rich young ruler was unwilling to surrender his wealth and ultimately chose not to accept Jesus' call. And the story reminds us that it is not easy to completely trust in God, especially when we must give up something tangible or valuable to us. What are you finding hard to give up? What are you finding hard to surrender? People find it hard to surrender their pride. People find it hard to surrender their fear. What about this? People find it hard to surrender their control, their relationships. He had many things, but he was still empty. And this biblical story is repeated time and time again in our current 21st century. And the reason is man was created for a personal relationship with the father through his son, Jesus Christ. This man in Mark 10 was experiencing lack even though he had things, even though he had activity, he had money. Which brings a good point for us. To ponder, we can be put together on the outside, but be a mess on the inside. Jesus said this one thing, thou lackest. Write this one thing. The one thing you have not done. Verse 21, there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Sacrifice. Come to me, relationship. Follow me, obedience. Surrender. Relationship. Obedience. Surrender what you have to the Lord. See, Jesus knew this man's heart and knew that a barrier existed between him and God and therefore his eternal life that he sought. He had another God. It was his wealth. What are you finding hard to give up? What are you finding hard to surrender? The solution was a radical step. Sell everything he had and give his wealth to the poor. 
What radical step do you need to take in your personal life? What radical steps in your spiritual walk with God do you need to take to get to the next level? God's calling you to live a radical life for him. God's calling you to a radical step. Is it to let go of control? Is it to let go of pride? Is it to let go of some unhealthy relationships? What is it that's going to get you to that next level, that next step? What is is it for you to experience eternal life? This man's treasure in heaven could not be laid up only as his treasure was laid down here on earth. The only way that he could have treasure in heaven was with he was he willing to lay down his treasure here on earth. Now, this does not mean that every believer and follower of Christ must do this. But this young man had to in order to find what he desired. But what God is calling you to do is to let go of some things that's between you and God. Let go of some ideologies, some beliefs, some things that you've allowed to be a little G in your life, a God. What are you willing to let go? See, anything we put before God in our heart is an idol And must be dealt with in the same decisive manner in which Jesus was telling this young ruler, this rich man, to do with his wealth. Are there things between you and God that's gotten in the way of your relationship with God? The outcome, it says, the man's face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. He went away sad. His countenance fell. See, his real problem wasn't a wealth problem. His real problem was a surrender problem. His problem was a surrender, a trust problem, a faith problem. His problem was a relationship problem. It's interesting because this man is never named And he drops off the biblical record. So as to imply this one decision set his life in the opposite direction of greatness. Musicians are making their way to the front. I began to ponder this question. How can we surrender something to God? How can we surrender something to God? I need you to hear this. How can we surrender something to God? Acknowledge that God knows you and he loves you. Understand that God knows you. Just like Jesus looked intently at this young man's life. This young man is bringing his qualifications And Jesus looked to the heart of the matter. How do we surrender? Acknowledge that God knows us and loves us. Recognizing that he is God. That he has our best interest in mind. And can give us a sense of security and trust. How do we surrender? By letting go. Be willing to let go. Let go of control. Let go of pride, let go of fear, let go of material possessions if need be. 
and surrender fully to God's will for your life. How do you surrender? Rely on faith. Faith requires trust. And it's only through faith that we can rely and truly surrender to God's plan. This man's decision to fail to align himself with the activity of God. Possibly he was afraid that he would be unhappy if he gave up what he had. Maybe he felt like the cost was too great. He bowed his head, lowered his face to the ground because he knew that Jesus understood that he had not surrendered his heart. It's not enough to give him your activity. You have to give him your heart. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Such a powerful word, such a powerful example to us. And Lord, it's so easy for us to get so involved in things, so involved in our activity, that we bring our list to you and say, oh, look, God, look what we've done. We're worthy of eternal life, God. We're worthy. We're doing all these things for you. But Lord, what you want is obedience. What you want is our heart. Lord, help us not to be guilty of sitting in the presence of the Lord, sitting in powerful worship services, hearing the word preach week after week, but our heart never be changed. So Lord, I pray today, I pray there will be a surrender. God, we surrender our fears, surrender ourselves wholeheartedly to you. As our head is bowed and our eyes are closed, I wanna ask there be no moving around just for a moment. No moving around, guys, just for a moment. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I want you, your heart, not just your activity. Are there some things that you've allowed to get between you and the Father? Are there some things you've allowed to be a little G, a little God in your life to become more important? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's some, there's some areas I've been afraid to let go of. I've been afraid to surrender. I've been afraid to to just say, Lord, here I am, take it. But I'm ready today. I'm ready because I know God's got something for me. God's got something better for me. And I need him to take all of me. If that's you, lift your hand right now just toward heaven. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus. Yes. I want to give another specific call. Specific call for salvation. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been going, what small group you're in, what this or that you're going to. I want to know, are you born again? I want to know, do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have Jesus in your life? Does he have everything in you? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't want to live a sham. I want to live a facade. I want Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior. I want him to be my king. I need to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Lift your hand right now toward heaven and say, Lord, here I am. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God loves you. God's working and moving in you. I want us to stand. GT worship is going to lead us. You raise your hand for one thing or the other. I want you to step out from where you are and come down front right now. Take that next step. Come now. Come now. Let's worship the King. God, we give you our heart. This is your moment. This is your moment of giving Him everything. This is your moment of letting go. This is your moment of saying, God, here I am. Here I am. I will not hold my head low. I will not bow my face down. But I will come today as a life surrendered wholly to you. Surrendered to you.